We all do it. We scroll through our feeds, seeing people who have been in and out of our lives. We see their causes, beliefs, and sometimes even a moral compass, show-offs. I don't know about you, but I'm interested in the story behind the pictures. I think it's time to have a conversation. If you're comfortable, do you want to just start by telling us a little of your backstory and kind of when everything started for you? <laughs> okay. Uh, do you guys have all day? I mean, we do. Like, <laughs> let's hear it. Let's hear it. Whatever you're comfortable with. Yeah. Well, so just a little bit about me. Uh, I'm 32 years old. Uh, I'm attending Texas Tech, trying to get my uh, degree in, in mechanical engineering. Um, I've come quite a ways from from uh kind of a weird crazy life and i mean just as a young kid had a had a pretty good childhood you know i had, didn't really have to you know want for anything always had always had what i needed my family provided for me made sure i was well taken care of uh kind of a normal just american childhood you know and uh kind of grew up into some some crazy things that happened into my life that I'm sure we'll talk about later, but I uh, was diagnosed with a few diseases whenever I was young and like I battled, battled through that. So when I was, when I was 12 years old, I was diagnosed with aplastic anemia, which is a mild form of leukemia okay. and uh, just, you know, not hereditary. It's not, not something that happens in the family, just kind of, just kind of happened. And uh, that was something that we all were kind of, slapped in the face with you know my family at the time my my uh, mother and father had had been split up for a couple of years and as children me and my sister were kind of struggling really hard with with the whole idea that our parents weren't going to live together and we weren't going to all be under the same roof so mm-hmm. it was kind of a kind of a crazy time in in mine and my sister's life and um you know that disease came along and just kind of shook shook us and I mean, I was, I can remember sitting in uh, the the doctor's office and I remember, it's crazy what you can remember when you're a kid. Like, I can't remember yesterday to save my life. But <laughs> yeah, I right. Things, you know, <laughs> when I was, from when I was young, you know, I remember looking up, uh, looking up at the ceiling and there was an Aladdin poster. I guess at the time, Aladdin was a, yeah. was a thing. Yeah, And uh, <laughs> yeah, one of, one of my favorites actually. And <laughs> So I was looking up at that as the doctor was giving the diagnosis. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, how, how could this happen? Like, is this real? Is this something that, you know, like, you know, as a child, you're so scared because you have no idea what you're facing. You really don't know the exact magnitude of what you're fixing to deal with. And I just remember being really scared, you know, and I can't imagine at the time what my family was feeling or what my dad was feeling. And, you know, I'm sure just sheer terror because right. nobody, nobody, I don't think there's not very many people in this world that kind of have a plan for battling a disease like that. So I don't know. It was just a scary time for, for all of us. And, uh, and you were know, 12. Really proud of, yes, I was 12. I was 12 at the time. Uh, I was really, really proud of my family for kind of rallying together and figuring out, you know, how we were going to make things work. It took, it took a family effort, you know, because I was, I was stripped from school. I couldn't, I couldn't go to, to regular school. I was put on steroids. I was put on numerous amounts of shots and uh, medications daily. Uh, biweekly, I was going back and forth from Hereford, which is my hometown, go white faces, uh, <laughs> from my hometown to at Lubbock uh, 
twice, no, once once every two weeks to get blood infusions and platelet transfusions. So it was kind of a kind of a crazy time. But you know, like I said, my family kind of rallied together. My my dad would take me back and forth. My they would kind of switch between shifts, you know, and and my grandparents would take me. Sometimes my mother would take me. You know, just kind of took everybody together to kind of help try and keep me uh, uh, healthy. So that was that was crazy. I think the the biggest part for me was missing out on school activities. You know, I'm kind of a social guy. I like the center of attention at times, and it's kind of a fault most times. But you know, that's just my personality and. Uh, I think that I was more upset that I couldn't go to school to see my friends and kind of like, that's a pivotal time in a, in a kid's childhood, you know, like your yeah. teen years where you're fixing to go through a lot of different changes and, and things. And I don't know, you kind of want your friends around you, you know, and it was just, it, it scared me. And, you know, I'm a huge, huge sports guy and was stripped from any type of contact sport and things that could happen. So really cruddy time, but yeah that that ended up happening and uh i think that along the lines i gained this sense of uh sympathy for myself you know and it has kind of caused a lot of problems in my later uh adult years you know i was always kind of looked at as different and uh I always kind of felt sorry for myself, you know, and, and just kind of seemed like I was always sad and always dealing with something, you know, and all I wanted to do at that age was just be normal and, you know, be able to go outside and play football, play catch with the, with the boys or ride my bike down the street, you know, just, just little simple things. And I wasn't able to do that for so long. And, uh, just really kind of, uh, just really struggled through those years of my life. Um, kind of a cool story though to you know it's all sad and dark right now but uh whenever you know a couple about I guess about a year had passed and I was able to uh you know my grandparents took care of me while my dad would work and he worked his tail off to make sure that you know we had what we needed regardless of whether we were eating uh steak and beans every night uh or, you know, like the ramen noodles, or he just made sure that we were taken care of. So, you know, my grandparents kind of pulled together and, and helped take care of me, and they're very spiritual people, and yeah, yeah they're 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 amazing, and, and you know, thanks to thanks to them, because if it wasn't for them, I I probably wouldn't be here this evening, or today, but um, I was at their house, and, you know, my grandma had been praying for me for quite a while, Right. And she just kept she just kept telling me, you know, the good Lord's gonna take this away. I have faith, you know, the good Lord's gonna he's gonna he's gonna heal you and you know, I just kept and I'm young, you know, I don't know anything. So I'm like, Yeah, whatever, grandma. <laughs> yeah. You got it, you know. <laughs> but uh there was this one time where I was sitting at uh I was actually two weeks out from a bone marrow transplant. We had already found a donor. And the things were, you know, things were fixing to start swinging my way. And I was going to get the operation done. I've, you know, done the whole Make-A-Wish thing where, and at the time I was like, man, great. I get to do Make-A-Wish and go spend a lot of money. I I chose a shopping spree at a mall. And uh, (laughs) I thought, man, that'll be cool. You know, I get to go spend some money and act crazy. Well, at the time I didn't know that that Make-A-Wish were were really Make-A-Wishes for children who may not, you know, make it through a procedure, you know. I just thought it was this really cool organization that wanted to, you know, spend some money on me. But anyway, uh, 
you know, I've been doing all those things. I was at my grandparents' house, uh, kind of gearing up for uh, heading to Cook Fort Worth Hospital to get this bone marrow transplant. And my grandma liked this, uh, like this show on TV called, uh, I can't remember what the show was called, but there's a preacher and he preaches and they kind of worship and do this, you know, this thing. And uh-huh. at the end of worship, he gets up and he starts like praying for people and starts like laying them out, right? Or just people are kind of going crazy and flopping around and like, yeah, like laying hands nuts, and tongues right? and all that. Yeah. Crazy. yeah. <laughs> so for the person that doesn't really necessarily know or hasn't been raised around that, they're like, what is happening right yeah, now? Yeah, that happened and... when I was 19. <laughs> I was like, where am I? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What is this? So like to people like me, it's like, oh, they're just getting prayed for. They're, they're getting healed. They're, you know, yeah. but uh, anyway, at the, at the end of that uh, episode, he, he actually like the camera zoomed in on him and he asked the people at home watching, you know, like what, uh, if there's anybody out there that needs healing or needs anything to be prayed for or, or any blessings or any types of things like that, please put your hands toward the screen. And I remember as a kid, I was sitting in front of the TV, <laughs> eating cereal, just kind of relaxing and, you know, doing my thing. And yeah. I just felt this urge come over me like, man, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of being tired. I'm sick of living like this. Like, I want to be with my friends. I want to play contact sports. I don't want to be sick anymore, you know. And so I pressed my hands toward the screen and, like, uh, one of the coolest things ever, like, it felt like somebody had dumped a bucket of ice water over me and at the time I didn't really think anything of it I was like oh that was pretty cool you know but uh as the prayer kind of went on he specifically called out my disease and I'm like what (laughs) so that happens and I'm kind of freaking out my grandma's over there crying like oh my gosh and (laughs) so like my grandma at the time kind of knew what was happening you know and I didn't I was just like oh cool I just got prayed over well fast forward a couple weeks we go to cook fort worth hospital and we're we're hanging out and i they have to take one last sample out of my back and they they this huge needle that they stick into your back and then they go into your bone where your hip is and they take a a bone marrow sample so what they were doing was taking the sample to make sure that my blood levels were at you know where they needed to be in order for me to start chemo and like going through the process so uh they did that i remember (laughs) kind of a funny side story in, in that deal they they tell me hey you know you're not going to remember a thing and this isn't going to hurt I'm like okay cool they gave me some kind of medicine to help with that right well I remembered everything and it oh, no. absolutely was the worst pain in the entire world that I've ever felt so that happens and I'm like great you know this is going to be a long ride um a couple hours later the doctor comes back and I remember I'm sitting with my dad and my mom and uh, we're sitting there and he's like scratching his head and he's flipping through papers and he's just trying to, he looks like he's confused. Yeah. And I'm sitting there like, I'm sitting there expecting like, okay, we're going to start chemo. We're going to start this. This is the plan. And uh, he basically just said, you know, I don't even know why Drew is here right now. We're, we just got his blood samples back and everything's perfectly normal. And I was like, what? <laughs> I, I got like goosebumps <laughs> so bad right now. Yeah, it was it was ridiculous. Like, you know, you hear stories like this all the time. Right. And it's like, no, that can't happen. There's no way. But like, I'm so thankful and blessed in my life that I was able to go through a situation like that and actually see like the hands of God actually work and prayer work and faith work. And from that moment on, my body was completely healed of that aplastic anemia. 
and you know it was kind of a road a long road getting out of that and like back into normal life but mm -hmm. i will never forget that day you know and uh yeah it was just it was just kind of a crazy crazy ride from from the time you know i was i was 12 until about 14 and then you know i started uh i started getting into some things that you know i, I had a lot of catching up to do right i mm -hmm. i uh I had lost a lot of years with my friends, so going back to school was huge for me, and I wanted to impress and make sure that everybody knew my presence was known. <laughs> so I would, like, I would just do, you know, kind of off-the-wall crazy things to get attention. And uh, I was a class clown, you know. I didn't really take school all that serious. Uh, I started kind of hanging out with a different crowd. Not the wrong crowd necessarily, but just a different crowd, you know, a crowd that liked to – you know, maybe not necessarily listen to the rules all that much or, you know, kind of, kind of just, you know, just a different, different group. Uh, you know, sure. I didn't, I did yeah, I, I didn't really start using drugs or alcohol until probably 17 years old. And that's mm -hmm. when, that's when things kind of got weird. You know, I, I didn't realize what I was doing. I was just trying to fit in, trying to be a part of and had a lot of hurt, you know, a lot of hurt from my past years, my, my, my family's divorce, my disease, uh, just a lot of things that I, you know, was trying to like cover up and hide and, and drugs did that for me. And, and as did alcohol, you know, um, I can remember my dad coming into the room one time and I had a, I had a big cooler of alcohol in my room <laughs> for whatever reason. Like, I don't know how, in my right mind, I didn't know that I was going to get caught, but I did. And he was like, what's this, uh, what's this cooler doing in your room, bud? And I'm like, oh, you know, just, just in case. And he opens it up and it's, it's beer. And he's like, what is going on? And you know, of course I got in trouble, but I was doing, I was doing weird things like that, you know, and fast forward into like, um, my senior year in high school, I was finally cleared by the doctors. You know, it took a while for me to actually get completely cleared to do everything. And I was finally cleared to play my senior year, play varsity football. And man, that was a big deal for me because football is football is life. And uh, I mean, I just, I couldn't wait to get started, get going. And, you know, you would think that somebody with, with uh, that much love for a game and, and, you know, something that important to an individual, you know, you would think that they would do the right things. Well, I got caught drinking and driving and was suspended for a few games and kind of, I mean, it kind of basically ended up ruining my, my uh, varsity year of football. And that was my last year to play, you know, so alcohol kind of started taking some things away from me at an early age. And uh, eventually I was, eventually I was kicked out of my house because things got so weird and bad because I'd come home high, you know, high on cocaine. We'd, we'd do these things where we'd play poker all night long and then we'd cheat and rig the game. And then, after we'd win the money that we had kind of stolen from other people, we'd go and we'd pick up some drugs and uh, just do drugs all night, you know, and I'd, I'd end up coming home high and sitting with the family at the dinner table, just, just disrespectful and, and just kind of lost and, and weird. And uh, that continued, you know, and I, like I said, I eventually ended up getting kicked out of my house and moved, uh, moved to uh, Amarillo to mm -hmm. kind of, you know, I, I thought at the time, I'm like, I'm getting away. I'm getting out of town in Amarillo, 45 minutes away. So big move there, Drew, you know. So <laughs> hey, I, I went there <laughs> went there and just kind of, uh, you know, did the same things. I went to work, found a job. You know, I, I always stayed in construction, never really had any dreams of going to school. Mm -hmm. 
just never really was an, an opportunity for me. Um, if I reverse a little bit and talk about my senior year, before I'd gotten caught drinking and driving, I was also supposed to go to the Air Force. A buddy, of, me and a buddy of mine were kind of joined joined together and wanted to go to the Air Force together and and you know change the world and fly planes and do all kinds of crazy stuff. But he ended up actually going, and I'm so proud of him and and think that he's doing amazing things now. He's actually flying f-22 uh fighter jets right now and i uh, was not accepted because of once again because of my alcohol problems so uh anyway i just you know thought about school and it just wasn't for me and plus who has the time or money you know it just never became an option for me and uh i guess i just didn't want it bad enough either you know i just never really thought about it so i worked construction uh most of my most of my adult career and jump from job to job because you know drew would show up drunk or drew wouldn't show up at all or drew would you know go out and and party too much and do too many drugs the night before and just wasn't worth a damn the next day i mean you name it i've i've pretty much played out any scenario that you could possibly think of and drugs and alcohol just seemed to eventually rule my life um also led to a lot of toxic relationships you know with with women that just aren't so desirable and you know caused me to really question if I was desirable or not and made a lot of things kind of kind of cloudy and and crazy for me um just continued to live that way for a really long time and you know I've got story upon story like war stories about how you know all the crazy things that I did, and all the all the ridiculous stuff, all the jail time, all the all the things that I got away with, all the things that you know I should have been put away for, you know. But the things that I like to focus on nowadays are uh, are, are the things that are happening now, and, and things that are happening in the present. You know, I most part of the reason why I used to do the things that I did was because you know I'd live in the past and always you know well I should have done this, I should have done that, and I'll have all these regrets and remorse and and things that i wish that i that i would have accomplished or you know uh guilt and shame kind of fall into the same same boat and i don't know i guess you know after telling my story so many times especially in the recovery community it's like you just kind of get over the the you know the the greasy grimy part and you want to get to the answers and the solutions and like the things where okay what are you doing now man to to make sure that we're okay you know so like I'm skipping a lot of years and a lot of a lot of time, but you know I think the most important thing to remember is like today's a new day, right? And and I've I've done what I can, I've done what I've done in the past, and I've done some things wrong, and I'm still trying to this day to right some of my wrongs. And you know I have a long way to go and a long road to go, but uh, on December on December 16th, or I'm sorry, December 20th, 2016, uh, I decided to to change my life and uh start start doing something different yeah Uh, talk to me about that how has your relationship with drug changed from the time you first started till the time that you decided to stop well so now as we said it's kind of crazy i'm coming up uh i'm coming up on two years sober and that's that's not something that i've ever really been able to say you know i'd get i'd get like a couple days here or a couple weeks there and like used to be i used to be really proud of that but now it's now it's a, it's become a it's become a habit for me and I've I'm really like actually you know that now that we're talking about it, it's like it makes me feel really good to say mm-hmm. that I've been two years in this in this game of recovery and like 
I can't tell you how much my life has changed. It's been, it's, it's, it's a total, it's a total 180 really. I mean, I've just completely turned around like everything that I can think of that I've done in the past, I do exactly opposite now and it seems to work out better. But, uh, you know, before I got sober, my dad, uh, my dad passed away on October the 17th of 2016. Okay. And, uh, that was, that was probably, you know, there will never be a darker day in my life. Uh, you can, you we can talk about all the diseases and, and the things that I've dealt with and, and uh, you know, the relationships and on and on. But that event right there was the one event that, that really changed my perspective on a lot of things in life. And I don't know that I would be sitting where I'm at today having this conversation if it wasn't for that event. Uh, I I remember getting the phone call on on October on October the 16th and uh, it was a phone call from my brother-in-law, you know, he's just kind of kind of spacey and like he the first his first question was are you driving and you know everybody knows that that's code for something bad's happened, you know, and and I uh he said, you know, your your dad has your dad has been in a car accident and he's being rushed to the hospital and uh, they don't think he's going to make it. And I just remember falling to my knees. I was at work at the time and uh, was in the middle of the shop. And all of a sudden I'm the only one in there, you know, and I was just like, I dropped to my knees and I, I could not, uh, I was uncontrollably just crying and didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to, how to react. I didn't know how to think. Uh, my boss came out there and was like, Drew, what is, what is going on? I couldn't speak. I couldn't, I couldn't, I kept trying to like wave my hands to talk and I couldn't get anything out. And, uh, later, you know, a couple minutes later, I get a phone call from, from my stepmother and she's like, you need to get here and see your dad before he, before they take him away. And I'm still thinking like, no, this is not happening. Like that, you know, he's, he's truly, there's a chance that he still can, you know, make this. And, trying to like figure out how he got in the wreck and and just like all these all these thoughts are flooding and you know just creeping in and I'm like I don't know I don't know what to do so the the only thing I knew to do was to jump in my car my little piece of shit uh (laughs) Honda Accent that my father had bought me you know granted because he's trying to help me because his drug addict of a son couldn't get into his own car uh that little thing would only go about 90 miles an hour (laughs) And it was, you know, it was super windy that day and I had the pedal to the floor and I'm gunning it as fast as it'll go. I'm surprised the thing didn't blow up. I know that God was watching me that entire way because, uh, you know, I made it to Hereford and uh, I don't really like getting into the specific details of what I saw or what I felt or like any of those things like that. It's really hard for me to talk about, so I won't, but that was the defining moment. Absolute. Yeah, the absolute most terrifying and, like, just crazy thing that I've ever seen or dealt with or been through, you know, and seeing my entire family in just shambles, you know, and, like, nobody knew any answers. Nobody had any ideas. It was it was a done deal. Our dad was gone. You know, he was a well-respected man in the community, just a great father. I mean, you, I couldn't have asked for a better dad, you know, and 
and and I know that our, the rest of our family would say the same thing. Just a stand-up guy. Like if I could be anything like my dad, and if I could have maybe 30% of what he offered the world, I would be so much better off. I mean, this guy was just that's beautiful, just, uh, and, Yeah, just, just just a great, great guy. And uh, you know, he was going away, and, and and none of us knew anything or how to react. You know, and you know, we we got out of that deal and we buried him uh a few days later and you know life got really different for me and you know I'm I'm at this time I'm in the middle of my addiction you know and mm-hmm. I'm trying to hold it together and I'm not holding it together at all and I'm getting drunk at the funeral and I'm drunk when I show up we're drunk when we put him in the ground we're I'm drunk when I'm you know at the uh we had a little get gathering at at, uh, at an event center and I'm drunk there and uh family's kind of looking at me like okay you know you got to start getting your shit together i know you're hurting but this is you know this is getting out of control and you know that night i ended up uh, doing making some bad decisions and uh right right next door to our to where my dad lives and did some things wrong and i came back over and kind of got into a little argument with my sister because i was cussing and just acting the fool and i was you know basically ready to run and ready to leave and so I, I left, and um, I forget, at this time I was on probation for some DWIs that I had acquired, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm driving drunk. Here I am just going back home, and I'm just lost. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do now, you know, and all that happened. And uh, I just remember this this feeling, and it seems to keep kind of being a pattern for me, but oh, woe is me type shit, you know, like woe is me my dad just passed away you should feel sorry for me let's uh feel sorry for drew and let's all have a drink or let's all get drunk let's all get fucked let's let's do something to change this feeling because it's not fun yeah like and, a band-aid essentially <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, and, th- and that's all it is you know for a very very short amount of time and at that time i've never been hurt so bad or hurt so much that you couldn't stop it you know usually i got to this point where i'd black out pass out it would stop eventually and this was different. This was like, this isn't going away. So I ended up, I ended up uh, eventually, uh, you know, the night before the six, the twentieth of December, uh, was in my, I was in my apartment. Who I was, I was living with two other girls at the time who had taken me in. Uh, was not going to work because you know my boss is a gentleman and just a great guy. And told me, you know, we understand you're hurting. Just take take some time off and come back whenever you're ready. So I sure milked the shit out of that, you know. And uh, when I could have gone to work, I didn't. I would stay home. I would get drunk. And, you know, the night before the 20th, I ended up uh, actually coming home one night uh, just, just blitzed out of my mind. And came home uh, with my pistol and started waving the thing around and threatening my roommates. and uh, threatening to take my life. Um, I thank God to this day that they didn't call the police. They were able to kind of slow me down a little bit, but, uh, yeah, I was just acting crazy, you know, and, uh, eventually I ended up passing out in my bed. Uh, somehow I ended up on the floor. I woke up the next day and I'm, my hands are busted up from busting out a window the night before, which I didn't remember, uh, didn't remember uh, going to a bar and, and the, uh, it was actually freezing cold, icy. Like, I don't remember any of this stuff, right? And I'm waking up 
my hands are all busted up and I'm bleeding everywhere. I'm bleeding from my mouth and I see a pistol and I'm like, Oh my God, like, what have you done? What, what has gone on? And the first thing that I woke up to really was my roommate saying, you need to pack your shit and you need to go, you know, and good, you know, great idea, you know, because I needed to get out of there. I needed to go somewhere. I needed to figure something out, but, um, you know, what does every alcoholic do? Well, what I did was I left and I went to the nearest beer store and got me some more alcohol, you know, because I had to figure out and assess what I did the night before and try to try to make things right or try to try to figure things out, you know, and so that that all happened. And that just that's just kind of to let you guys know, like, that's how that's how that's how my life was. Like, that's just one of the many stories where it's like, holy shit, Drew, what is going on with you? Like, everybody in the world knew that I had a problem but me, you know? Yeah. And eventually, uh, at the time, I was kind of in and out of recovery. I was kind of in and out of AA. Uh, but it was more so to kind of please others. Oh, to please others. Okay. Yeah. So it was more more to please others than to, you know, do for myself. And uh, at the time, I had a really good friend by the name of Mistela who was uh, just, I don't know, we kind of connected. She had lost her father, too. She was trying to help me work through this stuff. And uh, she wasn't going to let me fail, you know, and, and she swooped me up and was like, look, you've really got to change some of the things that you're doing. You're killing yourself. And I truly believe that, you know, another couple of weeks and I probably wouldn't be here because that, I, I was that bad. Yeah. And uh, I decided that day, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I'll go get help. And she's she's like, really, you're you're really going to go get help. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. But I'm 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 saying this because I want her <laughs> off my back. Yeah, I'm not I'm not ready. So anyways, I make the decision and then of course typical Drew is like, I'm gonna post this on Facebook. I'm gonna call my family and let them know that I'm getting ready. Like and everybody was just like, Oh, we don't really care what you do, Drew, because there's been so many times in my past where I've like put on a show or, you know, said that I was gonna get help, went and got it and then came back the same person. Like there's so many times that I've had chances to, to change my life and I didn't. So I was that guy, you know, I was that guy that was just like the boy who cried wolf basically. And I kind of found myself like in this little spot of being alone. Uh, granted, my grandparents really, you know, were kind of like helping me and like trying to get me gathered to go and, and receive treatment and stuff like that. You know, I still had people around and I don't want it to make it seem like, you know, the other side of my family had totally given up on me because I know that they've always had faith and they've always believed that I could do uh, do better. I just, at the time, it was just a lonely feeling because it's like, holy shit, Drew, you've come to this point. Your dad's gone now. There's really nobody else in this world that will, you know, uh, that that can hold you together, but you. And so I finally started kind of really thinking about things to do. And, and, and that's what I did. I decided to go and receive treatment. I went to a 30 day program here in Lubbock, Texas. Uh, I don't think we're supposed to name drop, but um, it's a tr treatment center here in, in Lubbock that was uh, very, very helpful for me. I, I remember going and, you know, on the way I was just a big friggin' mess, a big drunk mess because I was getting drunk one last time before I got better. And I got, I got into treatment and I just started, God started kind of revealing some things to me. You know, there was a lot of heartache and a lot of hurt and a lot of anger uh, toward myself because I had given away so many years of my life to drugs and alcohol and neglected my relationship with my dad i missed many uh hunting trips i missed many birthdays father's days uh 
I mean, I was just not a good person to my family at all. And a lot of, you know, a lot of the reasons why I was doing the things that I was doing was because I was that person. I was just not a good individual to my family. And that's all, that's really all I ever wanted to be was just loved and respected by my family, you know, because uh, my dad was that guy, you know, they were, he was super loved and he loved uh, as well. And he was very respected, not only by our family, but by the community. And I wanted to always kind of, kind of, Essentially, yeah. Yeah, you know, eventually, and I just never could because I would always find a way to screw it up. But I ended up uh, going through the 30 days, and and in treatment is where I started really digging deep and trying to figure out what's going on inside Drew. And uh, I find out, I find out, you know what? That uh, and these are kind of hard things to talk about, or were hard things to talk about. But now it's like I am, I am these things, and. You know, in 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 this treatment center, I was taught that selfishness is the root of all my troubles, and I'm like, uh, it was like a light went on. It's like, well, no shit. <laughs> like I've been doing, like everything that I've been doing, every day that I've been breathing or waking up and facing the day has been for Drew. It's never been for anybody else. It's always been for me. It's always been about me. What can I do? What can I get? How can I feel better? You know, and uh, so I really started honing in on that one aspect of selfishness. And the opposite of that, you know, is, of course, selflessness. And I started uh, doing for others. I started trying to ask questions and, and started to go to events and started to try to help feed the homeless and try to help do this. And where can I fit in here? Where can I fit in there? And I started to see a really big change in me. And then I found out, hey, Drew kind of likes doing this stuff. And, it, you know, it felt good at the same time. And then I was also making a difference. So that kind of started the little road to, to recovery for me. And while I was in recovery or in treatment, mm-hmm. I was actually facing uh, a lot of time and uh, had just picked up my third DWI. I was on probation, uh, you know, and I'm in treatment thinking I got to get out of here and face all this stuff. And I still may be going to prison. There's no telling. I just violated my probation again. They know I'm in treatment. A lot of things are weighing in on me in treatment. Yeah. And uh Luckily, you know, my grandfather had, had helped me with a lawyer because, uh, of course, uh, drunk Drew can't can't afford a lawyer on his own, you know. So he had uh, he had helped me out with a lawyer. And, and so my lawyer was doing some work and doing some things. But there was he was like, there's no way I can wipe all this away. It's just not going to happen. You're going to have to do some time or some major probation, you know. And, and I'm thinking like, OK, you know, that's fine. I can deal with that. You know, I've done it. It's time to face the music. It's time to get this over with. And. Uh, I remember sitting in my counselor's uh, appointment one time, one, one day, and, and she's like, we need to call your lawyer. We need to get this figured out, this figured out. I'm like, yeah, you're right. It's time to, it's time to face this. We call and, and, uh, he, he has the news of, uh, you're, you're no longer on probation. And I'm like, well, great. When do I go to prison? <laughs> yeah. You know, Cause I'm like. If I if I'm not on probation, have to make them somehow. Like, what's what's yeah. next? Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm thinking like, well, I guess I'm getting locked up, you know. And he's like, no, you don't understand. Like, you're free. You're you're done. You've done your time. They considered my stay at the treatment center as time served, and uh, kind of, you know, they cut me a big break. And I was, I I see that now as a god thing. Like, all right, Drew, this is it. You know, this is your this is your chance. Yeah, your chance to get better and make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. So here, have this blessing and don't, you know, take it for granted. So 
God really kind of did a lot of, uh, kind of, God did a lot of things for me in uh, treatment and started working on my heart. Um, found my love for music again, found my love for sports, uh, started slowly working on my relationships with my family and just started taking suggestions from other people. I started listening for one time, for once in my life, you know, I used to not listen to anybody. I, I used to know everything. I was smarter than you, you know, that kind of asshole. And, and I just started to think, you know, that I started to think with a different mind. I started to read books that were giving me great suggestions and, and telling me, you know, how I should start to live my life and uh, started pouring out into others. Um, towards, upon my release, there, you know, it's time for me to go back home. And I just didn't feel like that's what I needed to do. I didn't feel like going back to the wrong people or the, you know, the, the places and things that I were, that I was associated with. I didn't think any of that was a good idea. So it was heavy on my heart to kind of just sit, sit around. So I begged my insurance for some more money to help me stay another couple of days there at, um, at, at the treatment center. And, uh, I did some research on some sober living places here in here in Lubbock. And that's, I think for that move right there for me is what catapulted me into where I'm at today is because I had, I had the choice on whether or not to go back home. And I think, I mean, I don't know for certain, but I think that if I would have gone back home that I probably would have gone back to my old ways and I'd still be struggling really bad out there in the world. But, um, I decided to go into the sober, sober living community here in Lubbock and I found a lot of brothers that really cared for me and really loved me for who I am, you know, and, and people, some, some of the people I've been in treatment with. So I was able to kind of grow with them. And, uh, I made a pact with myself, you know, I'm going to do this for six months and see how it turns out. Well, in those six months, I was like, you know, uh, I'm going to do the best that I can to get out and serve other people. I'm going to do the best that I can to find a job and do well at my job. I'm going to do the best that I can just to be a good overall human being, you know, and, and continue most of all, uh, staying away from, from alcohol and drugs. And, you know, the dates started getting, getting, uh, more and more. I started gaining, uh, some, some sobriety and started gaining a little confidence. And, uh, you know, I struggled really bad with my self image. I couldn't look myself in the mirror because I thought I was ugly. I thought, you know, my, I was going bald and that was a big thing to me. I had a lot of self, self-inflicted like, uh, issues or self-inflicted, uh, things that I would, that I would, uh, focus on and hone in on. It would just kind of like hoard me down and, and yeah, keep me in this little... Yeah, distract you from your purpose, essentially. Yeah. Absolutely. And and so I've I've worked on those things. And like, I, I don't know if you notice now, but like I'll go around town and I won't wear a hat. It's like I gained a certain confidence because I had good people around me that loved me for who I was. And every chance they got, they told me, dude, you, you rock a bald head, man. Like, you know, you're, you, you're perfect bald. And, you know, I had people around me that loved me and helped build me up. And for the first time in my life, and I just continued to just really gravitate to that. I just couldn't get enough of it, you know, and I started following people that, uh, that wanted to chase after the same things as me. Um, as I was in recovery, I kept hearing about this place called the center at Texas tech, the center, this, the center, that, mm-hmm. and I'm like, what is this place? Well, the center uh, for the for the study of addiction and recovery is is a uh, is a place at Tech who houses individuals or helps individuals go to school and gives them a place to kind of study 
uh, fellowship together and just hang out and like offers a, just a whole network of support for, for students in recovery. Oh, and, wow. uh, what a great program. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Like it, it's one of the most amazing, one of the most amazing programs I've ever uh, actually seen or been a part of. And uh, to kind of lead into that, I uh, I uh, I ended up coming up with this idea. Like, you know, people kept telling me, "You can be whatever you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do. You just have to believe it." And you know, I never really had any dreams. Like I said earlier in this conversation, I. I never really thought about going to school because uh, I just, I can't do it. You know, it's not, it's too much money. There's this, there's that. Well, once you start to kind of dream and believe, then you'll find ways to make it happen. You'll find ways to, to make sure that you can get things accomplished. Well, I'd heard about all these kids getting sober. And then I heard, holy shit, they offer scholarships to kids who are at least a year sober to a major university like Texas Tech. And I'm thinking, like, there's no way. There's absolutely no way that I could be accepted and that this could happen. So I started dreaming about going to school, started dreaming about a mechanical engineering degree, started dreaming about things that I've never dreamt about before. Well, you know, it's funny when you put God to work or, like, when he goes to work, he goes to work. You know what I'm saying? And it's like Mm -hmm. things just start happening. Well, I ended up applying for, for uh, for this scholarship, and I ended up applying at Tech. And I'll never forget getting the letter from Texas Tech says you've been accepted as a Texas Tech Red Raider. And I'm like jumping for joy inside. And I'm like, I want to scream and shout at the top of a mountain that I'm a a college student now. And like, I was just so excited. And and all of these opportunities are are presenting themselves. And people are actually taking a chance on me and giving me money to go to school. And so that that kind of kick-started that whole process. And And it happened fast, uh, too, didn't it, once you got to work? Yeah, it was so (laughs) So, and that's, and that's the thing. They say you have to have at least a year of sobriety. Well, I got accepted within six months of sobriety. And, you know, granted, my one year would fall into the semester of which I was getting accepted into. But, uh, you know, it's just like those things started rolling. And it's like I said, when God goes to work, I mean, he just doesn't mess around. And I jumped on, I just jumped on the train and I was like, I'm going and I'm gone. And then it got to a point where it's like, holy cow, I've got all these things (laughs) that I'm surrounded by. I've got people that love me. I can count on more than one hand. Uh, I've Mm -hmm. got, I've got so many different resources available to me. I've got help. If I, if I feel like I need to go get high right now, I've got about people I can talk to. It's super overwhelming. Like, you know, we, uh, you know, if you think about it, I dealt with I dealt with alcohol and and drugs for 14 years. Yeah. So if anything went awry, I right. knew exactly what to do to fix it. So when you take that away from me, right. And something happens, you know, life's gonna happen, and I and I found that out really early. Uh, <laughs> life life's gonna happen, and things are gonna things are not always gonna swing your way. Well, how does a drug addict? an ex-drug addict deal with those things and yeah it's nerve-wracking it's like I know exactly how to fix this but I can't do that because I know that if I do that I risk losing everything what do you think was the one thing that kept you like just not falling back into old patterns really honestly I I uh I this is like my number one go-to fix if you want to get better you have to have relationships. 
and I'm not talking about just any relationships. It's it's like the people that I talked about earlier. It's my best friends. It's it's the people that I have around me now, the people that want to build you up and the people that want to strive for a better life and the people that believe in you and root for you and help you and, and, and want to see you do well in life. Like relationships is the number one thing for me that is what kept me going. So I would get into a situation, I'd always have somebody, you know, I do have the choice on whether or not to communicate that with somebody. And that's, that's, that's also key. You got to remember, like, you got to be open. You got to be honest. You got to be able to talk to people in order for people to help you. So I found out really quick that I was really good at saying, you know, Hey, I suck at this and I need help. And there was always somebody there to, uh, to kind of help pick me up and, and, you know, kind of shoot me in the right direction. And, like I said, if I didn't, if I didn't stay at that sober living and I didn't uh, listen to people's suggestions or uh, maybe even my own heart at times when God was speaking to me, like I had to be able to listen. I had to be able to be open-minded and talk and speak with other people and be able to take suggestions and uh, also know and value those relationships because that's where change is made and that's where love happens and that's where all these good things come from, you know, and, and that's what, uh, that's what I really started to focus on uh, going forward. And I still do that to this day. Like you'll talk to my friends and they'll tell you I'm crazy. They'll tell you that I'm like, you know, it's just a loud mouth shit talker. And, and I think I'll always be that way, but uh, I do love, I love every single one of my friends with all of my heart. And like, there is something about the passion that I have in my heart for my friends and and the passion that I have for the relationship that they give me back, you know, there's something about that connection there that just keeps me. I feel like uh, it's a really going. beautiful way that you honor your dad. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I I find that a lot. I, I get that a lot. You know, people say you're just like your dad. You're just like your dad. And I, oh my God, you talk about the best compliment in the world. And and I I love hearing that. You know, no, I'll never be my dad. And I don't think that you know there's a man on this earth that could be, but. I do like hearing that I have certain qualities and that's once again, another like jump starter, kickstarter for me is like, you know what? I've got this. I can do this. I, I can be a good person. I can be a good, uh, a good brother. I can be a good boyfriend. I can be, I can be anything, you know, that I want to be because I have these qualities that were, that were, uh, that have been inside of me since birth, you know, and, and it's nice to know those things and hear those things. So, um, it's just been, it's been a crazy ride. You know, it's like, like I said, a complete 180. Like if you were to be a fly on the wall and kind of follow me around and see the things that I do every day, like uh, just to kind of paint a picture, you know, used to in my addiction, I would wake up. The first thing I would think about would be uh, where am I going to get my next pill? Where am I going to get my next drink? And how in the fuck am I going to get to work? Or, you know, how am I like going to go about my work day? The first thing I ever thought about was me and that drug. On today, now I'm waking up and I'm like, oh my God, I got an exam. Oh my God, I got to get to the, I got to get to my psychiatrist or, oh my God, I got to take care of this. You know, I've got a student, I'm, I'm actually uh, a part of a student organization that is in, that, that is within the center there at Tech. And uh, we do so many different things to kind of help the community. Uh, this weekend, as a matter of fact, we're going to go to a place here called Tent City that uh, houses homeless individuals and helps them kind of get on their feet. There's a uh, 70 to 70 to 80 people there that we're going to go over there and, and help feed. And it's like, if you were to see, you know, be a fly on the wall uh, and see that as opposed to the way I was you know, not living my life or, you know, 
used to live my life, mm-hmm. then you would be like, who, who is this guy? Like, this is, there, there is no way that somebody can, uh, turn around that much, you know? And, and I often think t- at times I'm like, there's no way that I used to be that guy. There's no way that I used to live that way, you know? And it's just been so crazy how much God has helped me along in this journey and, and how much, uh, you know, I've changed and just tried and strived and, and just tried to do better, you know, and, and it's all about waking up the next day and just saying, you know what, <laughs> today's going to suck if I don't get up and do something about it, you know, and, and, uh, it's just been, it's been crazy. You know, I met, I met a girl here, uh, in early recovery and I look, you know, I, I'm currently living with her now and, and we, we have a cute little family together and yes, she has a, she has a little she has a little boy that I just adore with all of my heart and we wrestle all the time and we uh, do family things together. And like, you know, it's just, that's just where I want to be in my life right now. I just want to be, I just want to love on people and be loved. And, and, you know, Autumn, bless her heart. She puts up with a lot of bullshit for me, but she sure is. I mean, she is just, she is golden. I don't know that I would even, you know, it, it takes a lot of people, but her, especially she has, really helped me in this process of uh, finding out who Drew is. And she supports me for the first time in my life. My girlfriend wants me to go to school. My girlfriend wants me to visit dreams. My girlfriend wants me to, you know, go on a, go on trips. My girlfriend wants me to have poker night with the boys. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, you know, like just fully supports me in everything that I do. And probably more so than I support her, you know, it's just, it's unbelievable the amount of love that's been poured out, poured out over my life. And like, with all of these things combined, it's like, how could I go back to the way I was living? You know, right? How yeah. could I go back? How how could I go back to that drug? Or how could I go back to, to drinking all the time? You know, like, I just it's just it's crazy to me uh, how things have changed. You know, uh, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about my dad. Um, right. You know, especially here, here with the holidays. You know, it's really tough knowing that we don't, we don't get another opportunity to sit down at a dinner table together and and feast on some really good food. Or, uh, you know, I don't get an opportunity to, you know, send him a gift or give him a gift and, and, uh, be able to open presents and, and hold the, hold the nephews or like rough house with the kids while we're together, you know, like all those things are not going to happen again. And, uh, you know, I just have to, I have to constantly remind myself, like, even though he's not here, like I, I am. And, you know, my stepmother, I hope she doesn't mind me sharing this, but it's like, she told me the other day and I just about dropped to my knees, but she said, uh, you know, I really honestly believe that your dad was the kind of guy that if he knew that getting into an accident and, 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 uh, and passing away would have changed your course and changed your life that he would have done it way long ago. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I honestly feel like, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that that's what happened because obviously, you know, accidents happen and, and, uh, you know, that's just the way it was, but, you know, that just kind of shows you what my dad, the kind of character that my dad was. And I got to often remember, like, even though he's not here, I am, and I can carry that on and carry that forward. And that's, that's basically my purpose now is to just to love on people and, and try to find some good in this world and try to spread some, some good throughout it, you know, and, and do the best that I can. I'm still, I'm still a screw up. I mean, I still do things all the time that make people scratch their heads, you know, and uh, you'll find me sometimes scratching my own head. Like, well, what are you doing? That's you part idiot? of your but, charm. <laughs> yeah. 
and and that's just like you know I I I thank God that I'm still able to make mistakes, but I don't kill myself for them. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't I don't run to a drink or run to a drug and make the and compound the problem. You know, I I try to just admit my faults and move forward. You know, and and I believe that that's what life's all about is just being able to love on people. You know, it's all throughout the Bible. I don't know if many people read the Bible, and you know, if you don't, that's fine. But um, I do, and it's like just a constant. It's a constant theme, you know, throughout the Bible, love, love, love. And I really feel like I do a good job of that. And in, in there's cases, in the cases where I don't, you know, I try to do better. And I believe that that's what it's all about is just waking up the next day, putting one foot in front of the other and just trying the best that you possibly can to do better, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, I don't, I don't know. It's been, a, it's been a crazy ride. And I, uh, I'm actually you know, I'm on break right now and I'm enjoying every minute of it with all this football going on and all the food. Like I'm, I am fat as a cow and (laughs) I am well taken care of and just loved. And, uh, with all of these things happening, you know, I I know that I get to wake up and go to school on Monday morning and uh, I'll be finishing up my, uh, what will be my third semester as a college student. And I'll be heading into some really hard courses next, uh, this next term. And, just knowing that there's light at the end of the tunnel, you know, there's goals in sight and there's dreams in sight. And I have a good network of friends around me and family around me that love me. And there's all, there's all these beautiful things going on in this life, you know, and, and I'm just so thankful that I get to wake up and be a part of it and get to uh, experience, you know, the joy and the goodness that, that is, you know, still available in this world. I know that it's, it's hard to fathom because there is a lot of, there's a lot of garbage and, and things going on in the world that we just need to try and figure out and deal with. But um, there still is some good, you know, and I think that that has been a really big deal for me is finding that network of good people yeah. that have good, uh, good ideas and good, good goals in sight and, and just jumping on a train with them and saying, let's go, you know, it's just been, it's been really cool. Do you, um, do you, have you been back to revisit any of the people that were in your life during like the darker times, I guess, so to speak, or do you just kind of avoid that? It's in the past and this is how I move forward. Well, you know, it's funny that you asked that because I, I don't really think about it. And, you know, Dang. not everybody in my life used to be bad, you know? No, oh, been, absolutely. Yeah. There, yeah. And there's been people where, um, there's been people that, you know, we're by my side, even through those really terrible times. And to, if I'm being honest, I don't, I don't go home enough. I don't go back to Amarillo mm-hmm. enough to spend time with the people that, you know, I kind of, I kind of did wrong and, and did dirty at times in my life. And people that still took a chance on me, people that still believed in me, you know, I, I don't spend enough time in that area of my life, you know, revisiting old friends and um, uh, kind of pouring into that um that past life you know um i do i do spend a lot you know not a lot but i do get to see one of my childhood best friends a lot we golf together um so there's there's some relationships that have kind of uh you know weathered through the storm and then there's others that are just kind of faded and if i'm being honest i mean between you know school and working full time yeah, I, I mean, I really don't have time. I mean, I just I just got back from Hereford and I saw my family 
for a little bit How yesterday. That, I went to Amarillo. How that relationship and changed? So right now it's just like everybody's everybody's kind of mourning still. I yeah. mean, we're all, we're all still just been two years now, you know, and we're all still trying to navigate through our lives and try to figure out where we go from there. And, and it's just been really tough. Um, I do know that this has brought our our family closer together. I do know that I will do my damnedest to not ever miss another family event, a Thanksgiving, a Christmas, birthday, you know, uh, you, you name it. And uh, I do know that this has all kind of opened our eyes to know, hey, you know, we're not promised tomorrow. We we aren't guaranteed anything. And, and I think that we we all kind of grew closer together because of, because of what happened. And, uh, you know, I still... I don't want to uh, make it seem like I have um, gained all of the credibility back that, that I, uh, that, you know, that I seek because I spent so many years of my life ruining relationships in within my family. You know, I like to believe that I have a long journey ahead of me of, uh, you know, amends and things that I need to do in order to not prove myself, but just, take accountability for yeah just just things that i need to that i need to fix and that i need to make better and that i need to you know kind of mend Mm -hmm. and i'm just letting i'm just letting god kind of handle all of that because if i start to handle it trust me it'll become a mess you know (laughs) um that's just gonna it's just gonna come with time and i'm okay with that all i know is that um you know as a family we all just we all have to have that understanding, you know, it's going to take time. It's going to take some understanding. It's going to take some, some work, you know, on my end and on, you know, everyone's end just to kind of just be patient and make sure this thing works because at the end of the day, you know, we've got to have each other. So I'm just kind of letting all those things, you know, come as they may, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, Outside of the center and the work that you do there, do you work in another program or I know you said that you, go see a psychologist like what what are you doing post like I guess sober living center now kind of out in the everyday like how how do you take care of yourself that way to make sure that you're staying on the path football that's no I'm just kidding that's not <laughs> that's not the right answer <laughs> but I do I do I do watch a lot of football you know it is football season I am a football freak right um, uh you know that's that's this might sound really goofy, but that's like one of the biggest things for me is, is finding the passions and the things that I love. So, you know, watching football is one of those things. I'm huge on football. I'm huge on playing softball, uh, staying active, you know, any chance that I get, I'm trying to, I'm trying to play, I'm trying to play softball. I'm trying to run around. I'm trying to compete, uh, Mm -hmm. poker, poker nights with the boys fellowship. Um, the program, you know, (laughs) <laughs> a lot of my friends will tell you like he doesn't go to AA, he doesn't step foot in the AA room, you know, and it's it's kind of a going joke, but you know, I'll hit up a meeting every once in a while. Um mm-hmm. but honestly, if, if you know, I don't want to I don't want to seem like something I'm not and and I'm not uh you know, I'm not an AA um wasn't How do I put that nicely like like I'm not an AA thumper, you know, I'm not I'm not going to shove the big book down your throat. I'm not going to uh I'm just, that's just not the kind of person that I evolved to be in my recovery. So um, for me, it's more spiritual. It's more uh, God-based. It's more faith-based. It's more um, like prayer, meditation, uh, mm-hmm. faith, and like believing. And 
things of that nature because you know like i said in, earlier in this um conversation i talked about being healed you know i've seen miraculous things happen you know and and i truly believe that god also has the ability to take away drug and alcohol addiction as well and um i don't know it's just there's something about my relationship with god it's not perfect it's not beautiful by any means but you know <laughs> god bless him he he still he still loves me and cares for me and i and i just you know i try to uh i try to hone in on that because man how lucky can i be you know for somebody to still still love me and and deal with me even even through all the things that i've done you know i'm going to ask you a question and it might be loaded so if you don't want to answer it or can't think of an answer it's not a big deal but um why do you want to be sober uh if this if i'm being honest i want to be sober because I know what it's like on the other side of the road. I know what it's like to not be sober. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know I know the absolute depths and pits of misery and I know the destruction that that alcohol and drugs ca- uh, causes. And once you once you get on the other side and can kind of have a breather from all of that madness and see the goodness and all the blessings and all the good things that come out of not doing those things. Mm-hmm. Um, once you get to that other, other side and you see all the, of all of those things, all of the goodness, it's like, how could I possibly go back? But you know, you asked me why I stay sober. When I first got sober, uh, I, I thought it was because, you know, I owed it to my dad. I owed it to uh, my family. Uh, people needed to see me. People needed to see me sober. People needed to see me better, you know. And and if I'm being completely honest, it, at first it wasn't about me. It wasn't about, uh, you know, the things it should have been about. It was about pleasing other people once again because that's one of my one of my character defects. Is I've always got to make sure everybody else is happy before myself, you know. And and uh, and recovery, and that's one of those things that I've got to work on, but. Um, yeah, I have to stay sober for me. Like, Mm -hmm. that's just cut and dry, point blank. I mean, period, end of sentence. It's got to be for me. It's got to be because I know that I'm worthy. I know that I have a life to live and I know that my life can be meaningful and I know that I have purpose and meaning and, and that I can change people. I can, I can help to change people for the better. And I can be a light to people that don't have necessarily have one. Like those are the reasons why I stay sober is because of, because of meaning and purpose, you know? Yeah, absolutely. What are ways that people in your life can support you now? So honestly, uh, man, that's, that's kind of tough to answer. It's they, just knowing that I have their support mm-hmm. no matter no matter what I'm doing now mm-hmm. like I've gotten to this point where they're like all right I think Drew's gonna be okay <laughs> you know? right. yeah, and, yeah. And, and and just having their support and knowing that you know I am 32 years old now and I am making decisions and some of them are grown-up decisions and some of them are kind of idiotic decisions but knowing that my family knows that uh that I'm doing better, that I have a good support group around me and that 
I'm actually making decisions and, and uh, changes in my life for the better and that I have, you know, kind of an outlook and mm-hmm. places that I'm going with life and plans, um, knowing that no matter what I do kind of in between all of that, <laughs> then, yeah. and, and knowing that I still have their support is what, like, what helps me. Um, they don't really have to do anything. Uh, simple phone calls from, from a sister or, you know, a text message from a, from my stepmother or, you know, just, just the little things nowadays are what really shows me. You probably used to take for granted, right? Every dang day, you know, like I used to just not even reply to text messages or not even care if they talk Mm -hmm. to me. Like those things are, are, have become more valuable to me. And just knowing that even though we're busy and at times we can kind of neglect each other and, and not really be a part of each other's lives, even though that happens, we still try and make time for one another and we still try to communicate and just, just knowing that we're around and we're thinking about each other and we still love each other and, and are making efforts like that's enough for me. You know, I'm not, I didn't get sober to, uh, you know, all right. Okay, guys, it's time to start paying attention to me. Let's, 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 uh, let's fix all these years that I totally completely ruined the past 14 years. You know, like I'm just happy knowing that, um, you know, I'm, I'm okay. And they know that I'm okay. And I think that that causes a lot of peace within our family. That's really cool. That's really, really cool. Um, I want to talk briefly about, um, the post you made in late September on your social media. Um, oh dear. <laughs> do you want to talk to me about how all that went down? Because that was really when I was like, oh, your response to such ugliness and to your past was what really made me say, I feel like given all the years that I've known you, but you know, essentially not really, um, the way you handled that with such grace, I was like, I feel like I can reach out and that you would be open to coming on to talk to people. Um, yeah, that, that really, really resonated with me. So why don't what, t- tell me about what happened in, in, in that whole drama. So you're, you're not talking about a crazy, like, Oh my God, the Cowboys lost. I'm done with no, life again. Not, one okay. not one of those. <laughs> okay. So you're like talking every about, other, okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So you're talking about when my mugshot was posted for all the world to see. Is that what you're talking about? That is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I got (laughs) to, I was just going on about life, you know, and going to school and just kind of focusing on things. And, you know, we get so distracted that we don't pay attention very often. And uh, you were sober and in recovery at this point, correct? Yeah, so yeah. I it was, shoot, this, this happened what a couple months? Yeah, yeah. a couple months ago. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I'm a year and a half in sobriety, uh, doing really well. All my legal troubles and issues are gone. No probation. I mean, I'm completely legal driving. I mean, you name it, I've got it taken care of. And and uh, I get a message from a friend, and he's like, "Hey, man, uh, you might not like this." And it's basically a picture of me, and it's my mugshot, and underneath the mugshot is every datable offense from for like the past five years and anybody that knows me knows that's quite a bit and uh I don't know my heart kind of sunk into my stomach and I'm like Jesus that is first of all if you've ever seen me like now uh 
seeing me in my addiction, I've heard people often say like, that's not you. That's not even the same person. Like it's very sickening for one to kind of look back at old pictures or, um, you know, seeing yourself in the past like that's kind of a scary thing. So that was my first initial instinct was like, oh my gosh, uh, I've got to get rid of this. You know, like this is very embarrassing. It was really, it really hurt me to know that, uh, that it was out there and in the open. And I know that those things are public record. I know that that's, that's, you know, the way that happens. But what had happened was there was a person who was running a third party site on Facebook who was taking these uh, documents and pictures and information and posting them on Facebook. And upon further investigation, I found out, you know, hey, this is a site aimed at really just you're just supposed to bash on these people. Right. I mean, that's what it is. He's, he's trying to get these pictures posted and you're supposed to go in there and comment, oh, look at this fool, or hey, I bet she had a heart, you know, any joke that you can think of. And, and basically that's what I was seeing. Mm -hmm. So now I'm on this site and I'm like, oh gosh, I can't wait to hear what people say about me, you know? And I was just really nervous and scared and, and just very embarrassed that that had happened. Uh, also at the same time, you know, I have family that worry about me still. And right. if they were to come across that picture, their instant thought would be, oh shit. Here we go again, you know, because nobody, I mean, you'd have to read in order to understand that these were past offenses, past uh, events. And so that was another thought that came to mind. I was like, oh my God, my family's going to see this. So basically what I did is I just, you know, I, I took screenshots of it and I sent it to all my family, first of all, and I let them know, hey, I'm okay. This is old stuff. And, uh, you know, somebody's trying to be an a-hole and, you know, it's really cool because used to they'd be like, well, you probably deserve it. <laughs> but now, now yeah. they're like, well, what an asshole. You know, I can't believe people act like that. And they kind of come to my defense, you know, which is one of those things that we talked about earlier where it's like, that's why I continue to uh, to do what I do. But, uh, yeah, I just decided, you know what, this is like I'm having these feelings. And, you know, granted, a lot of people on that site probably don't give a shit. But there's a few that may be like me that do. So I'm going to stand in place for them and I'm just going to, you know, basically voice my opinion on it. Right. Well, I took that post, I shared it uh, to my Facebook and I wasn't uh, very proud of the picture. I mean, if you look at it, I'm half balding, I'm drunk out of my mind, probably high on a few different uh, items and I'm just not looking very hot, you know, and, and social media for most people is, you know, you post your best picture, you've got to get the best lighting, the best angle, like that's just what social media is about. That's how we share our stuff. It's mm -hmm. also fake and it's all bullshit, right? Right. <laughs> well, I kind of I kind of like to, you know, be real with people and like, here's this, you know, here's a picture of me being goofy or here's, you know, and that's all that was was just me posting that picture in order to let other people know like, hey, this happened to me as well, but we don't have to put up with this. Like, I'm a different person than I was back then, you know, people do change, people do have the ability to get better. And I was just trying to basically spread a little positivity and hope into the Facebook world. Because if like I said earlier, there's so many negative uh, thoughts and opinions and, and just asshole ish things that happen and go on, on Facebook, you know, and that's all that was. And come to find out, you know, I got a lot of, I got a lot of feedback and a lot of people thought it was a brave thing. And 
I got to thinking, I'm like, why does it have to be brave? Why? Like, I, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. I feel, you know, flattered by the comment, but um, like, I just feel like more people should do that, you know, like stand up, you know, stand up and believe and stand up and, and uh, you know, there's other people out there that are hurting. There's other people out there that, that are going through these things and dealing with these, these negative thoughts and, and, and negative things happening. Like, why can't we be the ones to stand up against that instead yeah. of stand for it, you know? And, and that's, that's basically all that was, but it's like, like you've, you've been talking to me for about an hour and 15 minutes now. I mean, you can kind of get the notion that, that I'm an open book. And I mean, I feel like, I feel like I am, you know, there's some secrets that I keep and there's some things that I'm like, really struggling with and working on but you know I think everybody has that issue but as far as when it comes to my life and the way that I've lived it and the things that I've been through I have not one concern of sharing a shitty picture of me on Facebook when it comes to my past troubles and my past times I'm not concerned about uh, stories or things that I've been through like I if anybody asks me a question I will I will uh, I'll tell you exactly how it went down and like I really feel like as 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 my recovery kind of uh continues to evolve that is one thing that's really helped me is because they teach you in recovery you know you got to be honest you got to be open and like i said i'm like here it is you know this is all for all of facebook to see however many people may see it like this is the way you things used to be but it's not that way anymore and i'm telling you right now that you can change your life and you can do the same thing and uh like having that openness is what really uh changes lives and, and it it, you know, if I helped one person, that's not, that's all it was meant for, you know? If it helped more, great. But that one person that needed to see that that one day is who I was after. And I just feel like that's the way things should go. That's the way we should be, you know? It's like it goes all, it all goes back to that love thing. Like, it's, that's loving other people, you know, via yeah. yourself and, like, trying to, trying to you know, put yourself out on front street if you have to, to just to kind of open some eyes and say, hey, look, you know, people can change. Well, I thought that you handled it with such grace and I was blown away. And if you don't mind, I'm going to preface kind of what you wrote because I want to read it back to you because it was so beautiful and so eloquently said. And I think it speaks just on exactly just to kind of just to kind of preface that there was a lot of cuss words that came before this post. (laughs) Without a doubt. With I can't even imagine. You have to go through the motions. Yeah, there was a lot of things that were. that were going through the brain, you know, at the time when I was like, cause I honestly, before, before that happened, I really wanted to find out who this person was because I felt like they should pay for the things that they're doing and, and like hurting other people is just not cool. And I felt like they needed to be, you know, exposed. And I was like, my mind was going crazy. But once again, like the, the part of this recovery deal is like learning to slow yourself down, think about what's going on and like make decisions from there and not from a heated state of mind. So. There was a lot of of things that happened. Yeah, this is what you said. And it said, nobody wants the shame of their past plastered all over social media. Come to find out this is a private account aimed at the ridicule and embarrassment of others. I am not the only one on this page. There are numerous others that are posted. Below each picture are shameful comments and terrible remarks aimed at the individuals in the picture. I can't explain to you the amount of anger that came over me. The truth is I'm not going to fight this. I'm going to leave it up. I'm going to use it as a reminder of the past. I will use it as a reminder of how far I've come. That guy in the picture was a monster. And even as I write this, it's hard for me to stomach. As I swallow this lump in my throat, I must remind myself that the people that know me know this isn't who I am. And the people that don't will soon find out. To all-
friends and family that may come across these pictures. I am not back out on the streets running around. These are old pictures and old charges. The old Drew that is no longer in present day society. The guy that went away the day he decided to start living life for God. I have been reborn. I can now live in freedom and true happiness. I mean, <laughs> yeah. those are your words. <laughs> it's like your story and it's so beautiful. And Absolutely. I love that. I, I during that time when you were so frustrated that you now have the skill set to say, how can this work in my favor and how can I help people? And I think that's so beautiful. And I think your dad would be so freaking proud. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I really, even after hearing that back read to me, it's just, I'm sitting here thinking like, man, that's, that's so crazy to me to know that, you know, um, two years ago, that wouldn't have happened. Two years ago, I probably would have loaded up my pistol and gone around town trying to find the guy you know and and to be able to to be able to kind of sit down and think about what to say and have the have enough patience and calmness in my life to be able to you know uh, put some words together that actually make sense and and aren't hurtful you know and and stoop to the level of of others is like really the true blessing you know and and um you kind of had me tearing up there for a minute because it has been a long road. It has been crazy. It has been hurtful and painful. And I mean, you name it and, and to, to be able to, to be able to come out of it and, and uh, see the other side of all of this and be able to spread a little bit of positivity and knowing that maybe, you know, even if you were the only one that read it and you're the only one that's touched by it was, was you know, all that I was after and, and that, that was accomplished. And that's like, that's why I was put here on earth. You know, that's why I was put here is to, uh, to do, to do different and to do better. And to know all of those things now is like, it's just, it's just amazing to me. And I'm, I'm, I can, you know, sometimes I have to really sit down and think about how truly blessed I am to be able to have these, uh, conversations and, and, uh, I don't know, it's just a beautiful thing. And I, I really appreciate you sharing that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I appreciate you. Are you kidding? Oh God. <laughs> Anyway, oh God, I'm like all emotional now. <laughs> so, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I like to go through Jane Lipton's top 10 questions because um, I feel like they really help people get to know you and where you're at now. If you're up for it, okay. I would love to uh, walk through them with you. Absolutely. Okay. They kind of are silly at first, but what is your favorite word? My favorite word? Mm-hmm. Uh... I don't know. I mean, anybody that knows me knows what I'm fixing to say, and it's it's probably uh, cowboys. <laughs> that works. What's your least favorite word? <laughs> oh, God. My least favorite word? Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> These are kind of goofy, but hard. They will. Like, I know. They make you think. <laughs> yeah. So my least favorite word? I... I don't know. Um, I would probably have to say hate. Mm. Yeah. There's what? just a lot of it going around, you know, like, I don't know. For, like, I, I do I do a lot of things different, and I say things sometimes that are, like, rude and disrespectful and uh, make snide comments, you know, at times, but there's a different, there's a different vibe and a different feeling that you get when somebody is actually expressing hate. And I don't know, 
after being in this little journey, it's like there's so much love to go around. Hate's just not a word that I want in my vocabulary, you know? Yeah, absolutely. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Music. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, uh, you know, I used to play, I used to play music a lot, um, especially in my addiction. And that was all lost and kind of stripped from me because I uh, just, you know, didn't, didn't want to find time for it. Plus I was always really too out, out of, out of my mind to be able to perform at any type of positive rate. So once I got sober, I started revisiting that, um, that avenue and as a drummer uh playing i was just i don't know from a young age i was blessed to be able to do that and now that i'm doing it again there's a lot of things that happen when i play drums and it's like this just overflowing spiritual emotion that comes over me no matter what kind of uh no matter what kind of music i'm playing it's like when i'm playing i'm just happy i'm in the like I'm on this little pink cloud of happiness and I just, I don't know, it's it's hard to explain. It's just like a, a joyful feeling and, and uh, usually gets me to, you know, like a spiritual state as far as like, it brings me back to when I was playing drums for worship band and like knowing that God actually placed that ability in my hands and in my arms and in my feet. And it's just really cool to know that, um, you know, I'm, I'm able to revisit that and re-experience that. And your grandparents played a big part in that too. They always encouraged that, didn't they? Yeah, and they'll they'll tell you too. Like for for months, I begged them, like I need this drum set, I need this drum set, because I, I played on pots and pans, and I watched my uncles play for you know a really long time, and you know they always had access to music uh, equipment, and uh, my grandfather eventually had gotten to a point where he uh, had sold all that stuff off, so when I was sick and they were taking care of me, you know, I was wanting something to do. And, and that was one of the things that they, they were able to do for me was they bought me a drum set and kind of, kind of gave me that, uh, kind of fulfilled that dream of being able to play drums. That's really cool. That's just one thing I remember. Like when I met them one time, I got to go to their house like years ago. And I just remember talking. So like, the way they lit up when they talked about you and your music. It was just very cute. I just remember that for whatever reason. So that's cool that you said music. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, music is very, it goes, goes far back into my, into my family. Uh, my grandfather actually had a lot of ties with Buddy Holly and, you know, played music for a lot of different people in the fifties and sixties. And so it's just, it's like, it's just a passion that our entire family really enjoys and loves. So it's just neat to revisit and know that we have the ability to speak and express through that, through that type of activity. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, what turns you off? What turns me off? Hmm. This is a better question for my girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what turns me off? Uh, you know, the more the more and more I, I go on through all of this stuff, you know, I'm trying to really figure out who I am politically and um, what really turns me off nowadays is 
the types of things that we see on TV, um, you turn on the TV, so you're watching, if you watch CNN or MSNBC or Fox, whatever the, whatever it may be, all you see is absolute negativity. Mm-hmm. And everybody's trying to take a jab at everybody. And everybody's trying to point the finger. And what really turns me off is the the lack of open-mindedness. Um, you know, politically, we like to be set in our ways. And I've found that, you know, I was really uh, highly conservative. And now I'm starting to kind of view things and see things. And I'm starting to kind of switch. Mm-hmm. And I find that some of my family members are like, what are you doing? You know, and it's like, yeah, I don't know. I, just I feel, feel like, like a lot of people are older going through that right now. Yeah, it's just, like, when you that. see when you see all of this all of this chaos and craziness on TV, it's like I don't know that I want to be a part of anything. You know? Yeah, I didn't sign up for this. This isn't what I yeah no, so, wanted. So I, I think that would probably be the biggest thing that turns me off is like when you have a conversation and it happens every day when you have a conversation with somebody and they just cannot see your side of the fence, you know and and uh will not even give it an opportunity i think that's what really bugs me is is knowing that knowing that some people are so close-minded that they can't even have conversation you know yeah selfishly i think that's why i started this podcast now that you say that <laughs> i'm like yeah. that's part of it you know i just want to hear what other people have to say because i am so torn in how i feel on certain things like i don't feel one certain way and i think that that's really common right now yeah yeah and, and you know don't get me wrong like there's some things that I do that, that other people don't approve of, but Hey, guess what? That's, that's my God given right as an American is to be able to, you know, believe what I want to believe and, and right. value what I want to value. You know, like I'll say it out loud. I'm, I'm a Trump fan. And do I really know why? I mean, I, I'd like to think so. Yeah. But you know, the thing that I don't like is you hate me and not, not I'm not saying you, but there's a lot yeah. of people that hate me for that, you know? And it's like, I mean, I, I may be wrong, guys, but you know that's who I that's who I support. You know, he is my president, and it is what it is. And you know, I didn't do that in 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 uh, in retrospect. I didn't do that to the people that loved Obama or things like that. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like, yeah. it's okay if you like Obama, that's fine. If you like Trump, that's fine. If you like uh, Kanye West, that's fine. Like it doesn't matter. You know, like it's okay. <laughs> yeah, life is gonna go on, but we can make it a little bit less miserable if we just agree to disagree yeah the problem the problem with politics and this goes back to open-minded open-mindedness is like you got the left and then you got the right and both of them think they're right so how is anything ever going to work you know it's just open-mindedness is the only thing that's going to bring us together to where we can come and and solve some some uh some political goals you know yeah oh that's a whole nother conversation (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) well Let's get back to the happiness. Um, and that actually, this got, this is funny that this is the next question. Um, what's your favorite curse word? <laughs> well, I do say fuck a lot. Yeah, that's a common and, one. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think that's too common. But uh, I don't know. I, 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 if, if I'm being honest, I've got a potty mouth, you know, so I say a lot of cuss words. I don't really know which one's my favorite. Um, I kind of like them all. You know, if they're used properly, then... They can really serve yes. a purpose, but uh, yes, I'm the same way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you know I'd I'd have to go with the the common answer here, and the, the, it's the word fuck. Fuck sometimes is just you know the go to for me. Yeah, it works. It gets the point across. <laughs> yeah. Um, what sound or noise do you love? Oh man, 
that's another good question. Man, there's so many different noises that are like pleasing, but I would have to say like I know this might sound really uh sappy <laughs> and I'll probably catch a lot of hell from my my guy friends for this, but uh one of the things I truly love about my girlfriend is like the sound of her voice over phone yeah like there's there's something very calming about autumn and the way she speaks to me when we're trying to figure out a problem or when we're trying to talk and just have conversation something about her voice um just really really makes me happy and uh, I, I know i said over the phone she'd probably be like oh so only on the phone huh but it's just, it, uh, there's something about autumn like like when i say i've met my match i really have like she's just really knows how to how to like talk to me and calm me down and and conversations with her have been deep and, and meaningful and mm -hmm. i just found her voice is really really pleasing to me that's awesome what sound or noise do you hate oh uh when people are like screaming boomer sooner that really bothers me <laughs> um, of course it does <laughs> yeah and then we've got you know like the longhorns down like uh longhorns chance and like any type of sporting oh okay so one of my biggest things and this is kind of let's kind of show you how ridiculous i am with football but um there's a lot of eagles fans from where i'm you know like in recovery you meet a lot of people from all over the, the states yeah. and some from you know across the world and a lot of them are philly fans you know and i'm sorry and this might sound terrible but just the way that philly fans talk just really like irks me i don't know what it is but like their accent and the way they talk shit about the cowboys is just really irritating and after especially after they won the super bowl uh it got to a point where it's like man this is really annoying you know i can't really handle it it's very hard for me to listen to and deal with so not that not the not like the sound of their voice it's just the the uh the combination of the shit talk along with like their super bowl championship and then having to listen to that was really really <laughs> irritating and tough for me spoken like a true texan that's awesome yeah, that's awesome. yeah. that just makes me laugh like what, yeah i lived in philly for a really year matters. yeah i lived in philly for a year before i moved to texas and couldn't oh, be really? more different yeah 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 right after high that's school awesome. in philadelphia for a year yeah crazy how funny um, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, um, really, honestly, I would just like to be able to help people. So, um, kind of my major, you know, would basically be engineering or something in the engineering degree or <laughs> field, but, uh, ultimately, you know, we can always help others and I'd, I'd like to kind of minor in, uh, maybe uh i don't know something something to do with like counseling or uh therapy something like that yeah because we'd always have we always have an opportunity to be able to listen to somebody else and i feel like you know going to going to into the mechanical engineering field like i didn't get sober just for me and just to kind of advance my career i got sober to help others too so i feel like maybe i can do both you know like yeah help others, help others along with you know trying to make a little money while i'm doing it yeah. What would what profession would you not like to do? Oh man. Uh anything on micro's dirty jobs looks terrible. 
I don't have the stomach for that. that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I used to wallow around in cow shit a lot because I worked for my dad uh, for a while. Yeah, and out to Hereford. <laughs> yeah, that's the beef capital of the world, and a lot of cows, a lot of cow shit, and so it's not, it's not that. It's just like I've done all that stuff, you know. I've done the dirty work and the and the nastiness. And I, I, the one thing I'll I'll never see myself going back to is like uh, the hard labor, manual labor, construction work because I've done it for so long and I'm just I'm sick of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wore out for sure, for sure. Okay, and then lastly, um, if heaven exists, would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh man, that'd be that'd be great, you know. Um, I just I don't I just don't know how that happens. I don't know if that happens, and you know if that was if that was the case, then absolutely I would love to hear that. But you know I think like more you say to you. Here's your dad. Mm. I think I think that that would be the the number one thing that I'd be looking forward to. Um, if I ever did get a chance to be at the pearly gates and and uh, I'm pretty sure that I might, you know, it might sound terrible, but I'm pretty sure that I'd I'd be trying to run past God, trying to find my dad, you know. That's that'd be the one thing that I'd be concerned about. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I am blown away by you, your story, and just how present you are in your life. And in talking to you, I just see how thankful and grateful that you are for every day. And I'm happy to know you and to call you a friend. I really yeah, I do appreciate do you giving me the opportunity and even, even thinking about me at this point to, to come on and be able to speak and talk. I'm sorry that I talked so long, you know, people, no, this is what once for. you get going, it's kind of hard <laughs> to stop you, man. So I, I apologize. I know. No, I'm like, it's all right. Thanks, Drew. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. For more content, follow along at havetheconvo.podcast on Instagram or email me at havetheconvo at gmail.com to share your story. Till next time.